Support for the Couples Council comes from Mercia Wellness and Consulting. Their purpose is to equip you with the right skills for a happy and healthy relationship. Schedule your consultation now. For more information, visit MerciaWellness.com. Mercia Wellness and Consulting, small steps, big changes. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy. Please consult a licensed professional for your mental health needs. Now, now on, on with, with the, the show. show. Hello and welcome to the Couples Council. I'm your host, Dr. Jameson Mercier, and uh, on this episode, you're in for a treat. Um, I know I was, so I'm not going to delay much. Um, I'm not going to blab like I usually do. Uh, we're just going to go straight into the um, interview that you're about to hear. All I can say is this is an interview that stemmed from an Instagram post. All right, so don't sleep on Instagram. The individual that we had an opportunity to interview, uh, her name is AJ Ekundayo. Okay, she is an author. Uh, her book is called Hindsight is 2020. Um, it's actually a memoir in which she talks about her experiences growing up with multi generational trauma. Um, and as you listen you'll, to the interview, you'll hear how to get that. Um, connect with her on Instagram, um, and we'll put the links in the show notes. Um, her handle though is AJ Wright Mental, but um, she is someone who ex- had some interesting experiences growing up around relationships and trauma. And uh, her comment on my Instagram post is what prompted this interview. I'm not going to say much more than that. Listen up, open your ears, and enjoy the interview. AJ Okundayo, hello and welcome to the Couples Council. Thank you so much. Good morning. Good morning. We're so excited to have you on the Couples Council this morning. I have to say, Dr. J is too. Um... I normally do all the scheduling and I was caught by surprise when he said, I booked someone. Yeah. It isn't that I don't do, it's not that I don't do any booking. It's Mm -hmm. just the way this happened. um, So naturally. Yeah. And, and you being just so willing to, I guess, help our listeners and those who benefit from the show, it all stemmed from an Instagram post. Good old Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. while I'm a millennial, I'm on the fringes of <laughs> millennialism, so I don't always jump in the deep end, but I must say, I'm glad this this time. Um, what I want to ask you, though, is tell me, when you saw that post, uh, tell me on your end, uh, what prompted, what was going on for you when you saw that post? Before you do that, AJ, what was the post about, Dr. J? Oh, okay. So... If for those of you who've been following me on Instagram at Dr. Jameson Mercier for any length of time, you know I I post um, are they called like gifs or postcards? I don't know what quotes 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 of the day. And and sometimes there are quotes that come up when I'm working with clients. Sometimes there are quotes that come up when I'm um, either reading. And the one that uh, inspired this particular episode just asks a question. 
do you treat your coworkers better than your spouse? Do you treat your coworkers better than your spouse? And so as usual, I put that out there and I say, you know, I hope people, you know, benefit from it. Make sure my spelling is all correct. And then, <laughs> and then I send it out. And a couple of people responded, you know, either comments or emojis. But you, AJ, my dear, had, had a lot more to say. You want to tell us what you said or you want me to read what you said? I don't remember all that I said, but I know me being a smart aleck that I am, I <laughs> said, do your coworkers treat you better than your spouse? Mm-hmm. And I've been in that situation before. Um, when I was married, when I was in my 20s, by the way, don't ever do that. I was in a situation where I felt neglected, um, uncared for, unnurtured. And so I found time to spend, not so much with the coworkers, but friends of ours. Okay. Uh, there were times I worked overtime deliberately so I don't have to look at him. Mm. And there were times we had potlucks and different things. And I would slave over the stove and bring extra just to give me a reason to be there for an extended period of time. So that's how that happened. Mm. And I want to actually say it. I want to actually read what you wrote. You asked the question back to Dr. J. You said, do my coworkers treat me better than mine, than my spouse? And then you went on to say, um, I asked this question once, 16 years ago, and I'm glad that's not my problem anymore. His loss. <laughs> right? <laughs> that, that. This is a whole nother episode, but that was a train wreck that lasted 18 months, and I'm glad I got off the train. Mm. Okay, well, yeah, we, we can't just leave it there. A train wreck that lasted 18 months ago. This was, a, was that the length of the relationship? Yes, we dated for 11 months, and we got married. My idea, not his. That should have been a red flag. And we lived together for about 14, 15 months, uh, about 16, about 16 months um, before I moved out. And then it took about three years of going back and forth to finalize the divorce because he did not want it. I did. It it, it was just madness. But that was in 2004. Okay. And so when you mentioned earlier, the healing, um, does that stem from that relationship? That stems just from a lengthy history of trauma. I'm always on a healing journey of some sort. Uh, relationships at this point uh, are laughable. I could do an entire stand-up routine uh, just with the experience that I've had with African-American males. Mm. So um, between those comedy episodes, as I call them, and health crises and a lot of other different things going on. It's um, always something I'm trying to bounce back from. Okay. Now I want to go back to a comment that you made earlier in regards to um, bringing extra food, staying at the potlucks late, um, or staying at work later so you do not have to face him. What were some Mm -hmm. of the reasons why you did not want to go home to help our listeners out and say, you know what? I, I want to hear AJ out. I want to hear some of her reasons. Mm-hmm. And I want to check our relationship to make sure that my spouse isn't coming home. 
for these reasons or um, checking our relationship to see. Yeah, am I in this situation? Mm -hmm. Thanks, babe. You know, um, okay, I can preface this by saying I'm speaking particularly to those who are trauma survivors. Once you break down those walls and allow yourself to be loved, and allow yourself to experience what love is and start to freely give it. And after years of not having that and growing up in a house full of dysfunction and chaos, and finally somebody is different than all the rest and they hurt you, oh, that's a different kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That is a different kind of hurt. And it wasn't physical abuse, but... um, the attention that I was shown, the time we spent together, the can't keep our hands off each other, all of that stopped when we got married. For what reason, I don't know. Somewhere in my head, I just summed it up to maybe that church he's obsessed with, put it in his mind that all he has to do is pay rent and work. So the going out stopped, the paying attention stopped, the coming home and surprising me. All of those things stopped. It's not my imagination. The day we came back from Hawaii, it changed. And three months later, I wanted a divorce and he went out sign papers. So it's just me feeling neglected. Those old wounds open up, the voids open back up, and it all came back like a flood. So I said, what do I, why do I need to be here? You're a poor communicator. You're emotionally unavailable. All you care about is sex. I can't do this. I I want the guy, and he, he would get sick of me saying, you know what, I need you to go get your homeboy. What homeboy? The guy that I met, okay, go find him. And he never came back. Wow. Wow. Okay, so there's a lot there. There's so many layers I find myself, okay, where do I start? Um when I'm thinking about your journey and having relationships and let's go back to the childhood trauma and the layers there. And then I think about you saying you found the one you let your guard, you let your guard down, um, came back from Hawaii and realized everything has stopped. I don't know him. He's not our client. Um, but I will say, did any effort of saying, let's seek counsel, um, let's get support, um, let's see what we can do to repair the relationship through education? I, I tried. It was my idea to go to counseling. Um, whatever we tried didn't seem to work. And it just told me he did not want to fight for us. I said, let's go to counseling. The copay is too high. We had some issues in the bedroom. So I said, well, let's go see a specialist. Maybe you need some medication. Try that. That didn't work. That frustrated him. Naturally, um, we there was something else we did. There, There's an organization called ACME, um, Association for Couples in Marriage Enrichment. They aren't clinicians, but they're leader couples, people who have been married 25 years or more. They go through some type of training on how to school the younger, newly married ones. We would go to ACME groups, trying to gain some insight from the older folks. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he stopped going. He had no interest. So that told me he just didn't care anymore. Mm-hmm. 
So then at that point, there was this natural drift uh, apart, this natural separation that happened is what I'm assuming. Right. Okay. And I gravitated towards someone else. I will say that, and I've said this before, if anybody's ever followed me, the most loving time, the most nurturing I received, uh, the time where I felt most special and cared for in my marriage was with someone else. That was probably around month eight, nine. Of your marriage. And it was short-lived. It was short-lived because he got deployed again, and um, he wanted to set me up in an apartment near his family in Alabama, which we were in Virginia at the time, which was not going to happen. And then it was also a red flag for me because he said he never wanted to be married again. I said, well, I'm already jumping out the pot into the fire. I do not want to be in a situation that's not going to lead to something. You know, he was a good man. He, he, he was just there. Everything I had been missing, he was there. We talked, we spent time together, you know, he outfitted an entire hotel room with food and champagne. No one had ever done anything like that before, not even my so-called husband. So I, I, I ate it up. I ate it up. Mm. And it was what I needed. So, so would you call that an emotional affair? Oh, no, we were physical. We were physical, mm. but he, he, he's the type of man he loves hard. If, he's, if he pays you attention, he's going to give you his all and he did okay now you know this brings up an interesting area you mentioned that your husband was deployed no the other guy the other guy was deployed the other guy right and that's why we ended that's why Ah, we ended okay was your husband ever in the military no no okay okay oh i see I see. And so when, so the affection you were getting ended due to a deployment, what did that do to your relationship with your husband then? It was already dead at that point. We were pretty, I mean, that was like month eight or nine. We were pretty much living like roommates on opposite schedule. He, I worked during the day. He worked night shifts. Um, he knew the guy was actually one of his coworkers. And I admitted that I had nothing to lie about. I, you know, wasn't sneaking around behind his back. I told him. Mm, and all so, he said was, I'm, I'm glad you told me. And we had no further discussion about it. So when did you know, right? So people listening may be wondering, you know what, Dr. J, Herdeen, AJ, I hear y'all. I may be in a similar situation, but when do I know? What are some of the signs? And I get, and I get it. Everyone's situation is different. Mm-hmm. But in your case, though, you know, when did you know it was done? Um, I guess when he spent more and more time away from home. I mean, even when we were dating and he has this brother, if you've ever seen the movie, Jason's lyric, you know, that parasitic brother that just won't go away. Mm. Um, and someone told me a long time ago, never marry the last one single because he's the Mr. Fix it. He's the taxi. He's the babysitter, you know, so they never accepted me because I took away their best friend. Uh, he was always spending time with his brother. I wanted to do things on our off days. I'm tired. Let Mr. Eric pick up the phone. He's gone. And But when we had problems, he would always come home. Even if I worked late, worked late, I came back, he was there. He would always come home. So when I came home at 11, 12 o'clock at night, 
especially on his off days, and he was not there, that's when I knew. Mm. Hmm. So there's just so much to like really unpack that I don't think we can do it all in one episode. But I really want to say, AJ, in listening to you, there was something you needed. Um, whether it is it was from your parents, your spouse, um, the person that you had an affair with. What is that thing? And has that void been filled? A good question. Um, I've always been a big baby. I like emotional intimacy. I'm very creative. I love surprises. And other than one or two guys I dated in college, which had been, what, maybe six years before, I had I, I didn't have that. I didn't have that. And like these stories usually go, dad wasn't there because his wife found out about me. That's a whole nother episode. But mm. I'm, look, I got white liquor problems. Y'all better pour a drink and have a seat. <laughs> <laughs> well, we this, sipping orange juice and water right now, so. <laughs> you might need to add something to that orange juice because we got some layers to pull back here. Wow. Wow. So, AJ, yeah. and, and just yes, thinking ma'am. about all the layers, what have you done to start peeling back these layers? Uh, after the first nervous breakdown, I finally listened to someone and started going to therapy, which, you know, as a black woman was the most difficult thing because, um, I had to realize there was something wrong. And for years I blamed everybody else, you know, Mm -hmm. that whole internalizing blame thing, uh, excuse me, externalizing blame. And I, I, knew I was frustrated and people called me names and I heard crazy all my life. I didn't know this was an illness. I didn't know those were symptoms. Um, I got diagnosed with bipolar disorder in 2007. Since then, I've gotten four more diagnoses. Um, and I didn't know how to process the information. Mm. I saw uh, an article in the Ladies Home Journal. I still have that article in my scrapbook. And it listed, I think, eight symptoms. You might be bipolar if. And I said, holy crap, this is me. This mm-hmm. is me. Uh, I went to Christian psychotherapy in Virginia Beach. Um, and I just totally disagreed with everything the guy said. I know he was telling the truth, but I was in denial. Uh, mm-hmm. Fast forward maybe two years, there was this therapy, medication, on and off, hamster oil. Because you know, with an initial diagnosis, they're going to try you on every med, and before it didn't seem can. like any. Yeah, before yeah. They can balance you out, yeah. Right, and it didn't seem like anything was working. But for all the medication, and I said this in my book, there is no pill, there is no shot, there is no elixir that's going to get to the root of the problem. And for our listeners, I'm glad um, you said that. Yeah. And for our listeners, let's talk about your book, the title of your book. um, What's the premise of the book? Let our listeners know so that if they feel that when they hear your story, AJ, they can connect to you and they want to know the steps to take that you took that can help guide them along the way. So let's talk about your book at this moment. Um, Give us a title. Mm -hmm. Um, hindsight is this whole long title. Hindsight is 2020. 
how an African-American girl grows up mentally ill and is dead last to find out mm. is something I wrote back in 2015 after the very last straw with UNC Hospital. I lived in Chapel Hill at the time. They, they don't have the greatest reputation for treating mentally ill patients. They just don't. Um, you'll read all these wonderful things about them in time and Newsweek. Talk to some of the patients. I also experienced the same thing when I went to the hospital at Duke, um, very prestigious hospitals. But when you have a mental health diagnosis, you're African-American, you are at the time homeless, low income, no insurance. You get treated much differently. Trust me, you just do. So I put hindsight together. It's this long 40-chapter book where the first five, it really highlights invalidation. I've, I've said a lot of times invalidation is a, a large factor in a lot of these illnesses. Somebody told me I wasn't good enough. Nobody believed me. Nobody heard me. No one's listening. So the first five chapters about my college years, some about childhood, but I started with college because that's where a lot of my symptoms were most profound. Mm-hmm. And if you understand borderline personality disorder, you know you just have this, as they say, maladaptive pattern of mm-hmm. um, broken relationships and self-sabotage. So that's that. And then I move into childhood trauma and sexual violence and then uh, about the broken U.S. healthcare system. Just so folks won't think it's an angry black woman's rant, I also transcribe testimonies from several other people in different demographics, and we are all echoing the same sentiment. Mm, wow. And so where can people get this book? It's on Amazon. Okay, great. Well, actually, what's that? Hindsight is 2020 at Clindio. Okay. What we'll do is we'll put all the links in the show notes um, so people Thank can you. have that as an available resource. Um, right. The, we, I don't want to keep you too much longer, but what I want to ask is for people, women and men for that matter, because these types of situations and circumstances by no means uh, do they discriminate. Um, if they are listening to your story and they're hearing about your experiences and they're like, yo, this sounds like, like me. This sounds like, this sounds like it could be me or this is for real my situation. You know, whether it's some of the past traumas or it's these failed attempts at relationships that we just can't seem to explain. Um, What advice, uh, tips, might you have for someone wondering what to do and how to deal? Um, I would say, you know, start scouting therapists who specialize in the symptoms that you're having, even if you can't quite articulate them. There's no, I mean, everybody's all into this mental health craze now, and I'm glad more people are talking, but Mm -hmm. you have to understand there's no one size fits all. There are different specialists out there, and I know income and insurance are huge factors, you know, huge barriers as to why people don't get help. But, for example, a 48-year-old white male veteran Marine may not be the best, probably won't be the best therapist for a 15-year-old female rape victim. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You have to find people who specialize in what's going on with you. And it takes some time, but the first thing you need to do is acknowledge the fact that you need help and not feel guilty about it. Mm-hmm. And then the next thing you need to do is to start to address and nip in the bud all of these things that's exacerbating your illness. They connect the dots in some way. Believe me, they do. For me, what saved my life after two nervous breakdowns, two sexual assaults, two, seemed like two was just my number, mm. um, was getting disability. And, and, and that was the only thing because I'd be in the grave right now. At mm. the time, I was living in my car. I had lost the apartment. I lost the job. And I lost my mind all within a four-month period. Mm. So I found in attorney who by training is an RN and who can really fight for you in court and help these people understand that doesn't matter if a person is educated and has gone to school or well-traveled and those sorts of things, they can still have limited functioning. Mm-hmm. And she got that point across. She, she really got that point across. And um, shout out to your attorney, man. Yes, Attorney Romanowski, she's awesome and almost undefeated in North Carolina. So long story short, I um, after I was awarded disability in February of 2012, I got in back pay from all the years of working three and four jobs uh, of about $16,000. So I was able to get housing through assistance. I was able to... Uh, get some more transportation um, eventually. I All the things that were missing that were was really exacerbating my illness, mm-hmm. I was able to start piecing things back together. I found a trauma recovery specialist. I've been with her for about eight years now. She's retiring this year. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm <laughs> in a much better place. I, I know, right? I'm in a much better place now because I nipped in the bud all of those things. I don't have creditors chase me now. I'm not living in a car anymore. I'm not in an abusive relationship. I don't have the roommates who also have mental illnesses. It's a different story. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mm-hmm. I had to get rid of all those external things. Mm-hmm. And that's my advice to people. It's not just medical. You have some things going on in your life, whether it's the people you live with, the job, some type of stressor. Yeah. That you really have to address in order, you know, for your mental health to function optimally. Yeah, I'm glad you I'm glad you mentioned all that because um, what I tell clients, I said, you know, we can do all this work here, but if you're not going back into an environment that's going to foster this new learning, if it's not going to be good for if it's not going to be fertile ground is the metaphor I use, if it's not going to be good for these new seeds that we're trying to plant, we might as well just like, you know, we're just, we're just spinning our wheels going nowhere. So I'm glad you made that point because they might seem small, you know, transportation, Mm -hmm. you know, just different. You don't know where your next meal is coming from, Mm -hmm. which is sometimes your stress. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, it increases your stress. There are times as a woman, you do things for money, you swore to God you would never do because you are hungry, mm-hmm. not because of a lack of a moral compass. Mm-hmm. Therapy is not going to work when your stomach has been growling for three days with no food. There's no way. There's no way. There's no way. 
There's no way. But one of the things I want to go back to is a statement that you said earlier, AJ, and I'm sitting next to Jay and I'm like, I can't end this interview without digging into your statement a little bit more. Um, And I'm thinking about all the black men, amazing black husbands and boyfriends and fiancés that I know, um, whether they're Caribbean or Afro black it doesn't matter I, I know that they're great and so when I hear another black sister say um their experience has taught them that all black men um relationships weren't really well I like clarity I want to hear more about um that experience because I don't want you to give up on love with another black man if that is your desire. So can you please explain that comment comment just a little bit more? Because I'm always rooting for the black men who are amazing and they're out there and this notion that they're not, I don't want you to give up on that piece of it. What laboratory are they in? I just want to know. <laughs> I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to find a scientist who's who out here creating these brothers that only you know. I, I don't know it. I don't know. Maybe it's the perspective and the energy around that comment that if I I've I always said to myself, I will marry an amazing Haitian black man. And I got him. Oh. So <laughs> so if you I know. made you know, they said that life and death is in the power of the tongue. Yeah. So maybe that perspective of of how you speak of them, you may attract the one that you are desiring. So that's why I want to know. I think you have this idea that, so I want to give you a little, just a little pushback. I know your experience is your own. I'm not trying to police your experience. I'm not trying, but I do want you to know, don't give up on that because I can count more than my fingers and my toes of amazing black men, fathers that I know that are loving, supporting, um, amazing, and present. Uh, I'm trying to hold speaking things and writing things down, you know, all the scriptures and all the positivity, and it's the same folk. You know, so uh, again, once you have said finally, oh, this is him for the last time, it becomes, okay, I'm done. Um, I don't have experience with men outside of my race, but I'm open to it. And, you know, the the way I, excuse me, the way I frame it for women is saying that, you know, there isn't someone for everyone. Mathematically, it's not possible. So if you put every black man in the room uh, on the planet in the room, you have to subtract the ones who are already married, more than likely have a side check. I get hit on by nothing but married men. Then you have to subtract from that number those who are homosexual or bisexual. And then from that number, those who are perpetually incarcerated. And then from that number, those who are unemployed. And from that number, those who are STD infected. You don't have much to work with. It's just mathematically impossible. So um, I people can say it stems from fatherhood, <clears throat> excuse me, from a, a fatherless childhood. Mm-hmm. I, I can't blame everything on that. <clears throat> mm. Now, my, I'm sorry, I'm choking here. <clears throat> okay. My dad was a Rolling Stone. He had all kinds of outside kids. I like to say I'm one of 12 plus two question marks. <laughs> um, 
but he wasn't the one that was abusive towards me. He wasn't the one that broke my virginity. He wasn't the one that hit me or yelled at me or called me. He was, you know, a halfway decent man. He just couldn't keep his pants in. Um, so that had things that shaped how I looked at black men. Mm-hmm. But I had the experience of dating a wonderful, wonderful man my sophomore year of college. We're still good friends to this day. Mm-hmm. Problem is, I was so traumatized, I could not receive love from anybody who loved that heart. That is oh, it. Yeah. That is it. I think that's what I, I was like, there has to be something. And that you cleared it all up for me. I yeah. totally understand. And now I have clarity around your comment. Yeah. You know. Um, I, that that seems to be a point that I hope our listeners caught, you know, um, not that if you miss it one time, then that's it for you. But sometimes we simply are not able to receive um, what's being offered. The older you get, though, even understanding where you're avoided or not being able to be loved easily and being wounded and all those things, the older you get, you start to notice red flags more and you stop giving people the benefit of the doubt as easily. Mm, you know, I, I would love that. to say, yeah, I, I would love to say, oh, here's, you know, Leroy or Tyrone, he's going to be extra special. He's going to be different. He's not going to be like X, Y, Z. And you'll see a post I'm going to post today. I'll tag you guys on it mm-hmm. of uh, a woman on one side of a brick wall saying, I'm not going to get hurt again. And a guy on the other side of the brick wall saying, I'm not him. And in his hand, he's holding a pickaxe. And that's some life right there. <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, my dear, my dear, AJ Okundayo, this has been very enlightening. <laughs> And I really do believe it will help our couples. And I think that's why the Couples Councils podcast is so unique. I thank you so much, AJ, for joining us on the Couples Council. You're welcome. You dropped so many amazing wisdom and gave us insight into your life. And I, I honor you and I appreciate you for it. Thank you. If I can just add one last thing, I want people, you know, since we're throwing around biblical wisdom, even if it's not a book that you read, to understand one thing. Mm-hmm. If you are going to be married or be in a relationship, you need to be in a relationship or a married mindset, period. It will not work. The mm-hmm. word says a man shall leave from his mother and father and cleave unto spouse. Oh, you preach. That now. means go ahead, preach. <laughs> Mama now comes second. Put put your foot down and develop some boundaries. Your wife comes first. Your boys now come second. You come home at a decent hour. All your cousins and everybody who used you, who you allowed to, they now come second and third. That lady in your life or that man in your life now comes first. If you don't have those boundaries already developed and you don't know how to say no, his problem, it is not going to work. And that's what my ex-husband could not understand. He was way too close with everybody else, and I came last. Mm. Mm. A marriage mindset. There you go. Yeah. I, I mean, you close it out with the bang, my darling. Yeah, we're going to have to leave it there. <laughs> um, 
Now I, I'm already making notes for something else that we got to do on this <laughs> podcast here. Listen, Miss AJ, where can people follow you? Where can they, if they want to reach out to you, maybe link up with you? How do our listeners find you? I am on Instagram as AJ Wright, W-R-I-T-E, mental. If you are in the Raleigh, North Carolina area, I'm available to come out to your church or your women's group and speak. Just be mindful. I'm coming with the real. Mm. <laughs> Let your pastor know in advance. <laughs> <laughs> the real that she dropped today. Good. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you. This has been Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you. Um, And I'm sure we'll keep in touch. I wish you well uh, in your endeavors as far as your book goes. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you again for having me. baby baby so many layers my love that so was, many layers that was really really great miss aj okundayo thank you so much now a couple things that jumps out jumped out from this episode she talked about being a trauma survivor mm-hmm. now there was someone i was talking to maybe a couple months back and this was actually in miami mm-hmm. she said she said that um most people have experienced trauma. They just don't realize it until they're in relationships. Mm-hmm. And AJ's story reminded me of that. Mm. Okay. Now, granted, we heard her story. We mm-hmm. didn't hear her ex-husband's story. Mm-hmm. But I can guarantee you. There was some trauma there. There's a lot going on there. And when his trauma or mess Mm-hmm. If we'll just be frank, and her trauma can collide when it's like a volcano. When traumas clash, mm-hmm. let me add that right. There. Let me write that down. When traumas clash, we get a lot, a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. The second thing I want to just throw out here: it sounds like because of her past, she needed more than her husband could provide. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this may be through no fault of her husband. He perhaps was just not capable. Mm -hmm. And listen, I'm not making excuses for the man. I don't know him. Will that may never know him. And I know her briefly. But it is possible that the person that we've decided to do life with Mm -hmm. may not be able to give us all we want and need. And we've touched on this before. Uh We have. This is a recurring theme, right? Before you decide to do life, as a matter of fact, uh, we did, uh, I did a brief interview with uh, Patrice Washington. Mm -hmm. I would encourage you guys to look her up. Okay. At the redefining wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, her Valentine's Day episode, she was uh, gracious enough to have me talk about this a little bit. Um, it is possible that your spouse may not be able to support you mm-hmm. in the way that you need to be supported. Yep. So if you want a little bit more about that, it's actually her Valentine's Day episode. Go to Redefining Wealth Podcast. Mm-hmm. And look up uh, Love Looks Like Support. That's yeah. the name of the episode. Listen to all of her stuff. Okay, but that's what that one looks like. Um, And then the last thing I'll say, sometimes relationships 
cannot be saved. Sometimes relationships were not meant to be to begin with. We need to do a whole episode on that. Write that down, baby. Already did. Thank you, ma'am. I mean, sir. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> happens all the time. Right? You may be in a relationship that unfortunately cannot be salvaged. That's a hard fact to confront. Um, probably because it just it just started when it ought not to have started in the first place. All right, guys, not going to hold you too much longer. Keep it here because we're going to go back on several of these and more. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys for joining us this week. For thank the you couples. to AJ. Yes, for the Couples Council. AJ, Miss wow. Okundaya, thank you so much. And um, I love you, babe. I love you too, sweetie. Uh, this has been Dr. Jameson Mercier. This is her Dean Mercier. And see you next time for another on, episode. On the Couples Council. Bye now.